Hello and happy Wednesday. Good morning. It's it's morning here in Kansas. Nice oh brisk morning. It is. It is 60 degrees. I was actually shivering outside this morning. I was like, this is chilly. Because <laughs> there was also a, a breeze mm-hmm. and, and it was chilly. And we have cooler days coming. It's oh, going to we be do. in the 70s and low 80s um, next week. And so I'm I'm excited about that. We're already talking Me about too. a bonfire. Oh, there. <laughs> we have stuff to burn. <laughs> hey, we need to do a, a little fire and do Wednesday night Bible study around the fire. Yes. I so totally have that planned. Oh, I'm good. excited about it. I think we might even be able to pull it off next Wednesday. Maybe. Maybe so. This in advance. Um, <laughs> <laughs> how are you, Vince? Good. Hey, I'll tell you what. If you're ever having a bad moment in the day or a, a rough morning, just go pull up one of these videos. Listen to that little just under two-minute oh, intro. Oh. And wow. I know. It just It does something. It just kind of lifts the spirits. It does. It provokes a dance. It, uh, it definitely provokes a dance. And when when your body moves, things shift. Yes, they do. It's just true. There's nothing <laughs> you can do about it. It's just the truth. And if you don't believe us, ask hello. <laughs> nice. Ask Chris Hinstone. He'll tell you all about the dance. <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> We're going to have to have him on here sometime. Let's do that. Chris, Okay. you're not even on yet, but we're talking about you. We're going to, we're going to schedule a time to have you come on and we're going to talk about mm-hmm. the dance. Oh my gosh. That's going to oh, be, be phenomenal. Good. I dance yeah. ugly. So um, it's bad. You know, I'm not sure that it matters. I don't think it does. I'm not sure that it matters. There's actually studies that have been done that just forward movement, simple forward movement, but going for a walk causes your eyes to shift to the left and to the right. And, and you're taking in a greater view beyond self. And so if you're dealing with depression, anxiety, um, whatever, whatever the thing is, um, that shifts just by moving because your eyes are forced to take in something beyond yourself. So the power of movement, you add a little rhythm into that and shoot, who knows, who knows what could happen. So um, good morning, Kevin Reed from the Highlands. Once again, I am inspired. Every time I see the Highlands, I don't know what it does to me, but I'm just like, I think I just need to be there. Um, Welcome and thank you for joining us. And good morning, John. We both feel the love. That's all I can say. We are both feeling the love this morning. Um, okay, should we just jump in? Let's do. Let's do. Um, we want to jump into Second Timothy, um, mainly chapters two and three, and um, there there is something taking place, and I kind of want to set the scene because this is it, there's a beautiful thing happening here, Paul is very aware of his number days. You know, he's he's in prison and um and he he pretty much knows he's not going to make it out this time. And um and and Timothy is you can feel, you can feel his heart towards Timothy, the a father to son um stance and um and he is wanting Timothy to feel the impartation through the letter right and uh he just he's aching to be with Timothy one last time to be able to impart as much as possible and um and, and you've got to you've got to consider what it is that Paul has carried up to this point uh, he he feels responsible for the knowledge of the gospel getting out there. Like this is, he is carrying a weighty burden and, um, and, and he's now having to consider who's doing this, who's going to continue to carry this. And um, because he, he's a big deal. 
Paul's a big deal. He's he's unafraid of of anything that could come against him. He has one passion, and that is Jesus Christ, and and he wants everyone everyone to know about that. So you can feel that passion translated through this book to Timothy, where he's going like, remember where you came from? You know, he's talking about Lois, his mom and grandma. And he's like, these are women of faith that's in you. And also don't forget what took place when I laid my hands on you and imparted to you what it was that the spirit had for you to carry. And, and he's even known as an evangelist at at one point in, in this letter. And, And Paul's like, Go and tell, do the things and, and, and fan into flame, you know, what it is that, that Jesus has imparted to you. And so it's just an absolute beautiful book. And at the very end, he's like, don't waste time, get here as soon as possible. And, and so he's just wanting to make sure that time doesn't run out before they have one last moment together face to face. And so it's just this, a, a beautiful letter from a father to a son. And, um, and, and you can just feel the, the tension in that. Like he's just desperate. He's desperate that, that Timothy get it and, and pick it up and run with it. And so with with that little bit of um, background, let's just dive in. I want to start reading at um, verse 15 uh, in chapter 2. So we're in 2 Timothy 2, starting in 15. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, an unashamed workman cutting straight the word of the truth. But avoid profane, vain babblings, for they will advance to more ungodliness and their word will spread like gangrene of whom are Hymenaea, whatever his name is, <laughs> H&P, these two men um, who concerning the truth have misaimed, saying that the resurrection has already taken place and overthrow the faith of some. This is fascinating. Hello, Nicole. Welcome. Love seeing your 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 little tiny face. But thank you for jumping on. Um, misaimed. They're guilty of misaiming. I think that this is fascinating. That um, concerning the truth, these two men have misaimed. Oh my gosh, where have we misaimed? You know as as the church and and we've got to take a stance of oneness here where are we misaiming concerning the truth of who Jesus Christ is however the firm foundation of God stands having the seal the lord knows those who are his and let everyone who names the name of the lord depart from all unrighteousness now i just want to pause who gets to determine what all unrighteousness is? Who gets to decide that? I think if we don't have a, a, a correct answer, a correct response to that question, we will remain errant. We will remain being those charged with misaiming. He's telling us that you have to depart from all unrighteousness. Now, this is where we have been in compromise because we have tolerated unrighteousness. We have tolerated the the, um, misaiming. And and we've got to to toe the line here. What does righteousness look like? And who gets to decide when it has moved into unrighteousness? The only way we're going to know this is by beholding the Lamb. It is the only way if we do not get before him on a regular basis and have him make those deposits of holiness within us, we don't stand a chance. This is why we don't know the difference between righteousness and unrighteousness, because we have become lazy Christians and have not gone before the king of kings to have those deposits of holiness made. Because you got to remember that it's the deposits of holiness of being with him that translates and manifests to righteousness. And that's what the world sees. 
We know that if, if holiness is not put on display, that men will not see Christ. It's our job. And so when, when we're, when we're whining and complaining about the, the world, not wanting anything to do with the church and everyone's leaving the church in droves, blah, 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 blah. Perhaps it's an unrighteousness issue. Perhaps we've misaimed, we've missed the mark and we're dealing with some unrighteousness. You can't blame the world for not wanting something that doesn't look like Jesus. Anything to say on that before I can take my my translation says, let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. If we are calling ourselves Christians, those under the name of Christ, then then we have to be those that are pulling away from, from the unrighteousness and and really uh, uh, staying in holiness. We we just can't, can't allow that to continue. We can't allow uh, our own definition of sin to be that, that we're putting on display and saying, this is it when really God is the one who gets to define those things. Right. It's him. He alone gets to make the decision on what righteousness looks like in you, Mm -hmm. in you, right. Righteousness is going to, to be modeled differently in, in each of us because of what it is that we each carry. Yeah, he, yeah he, he's he's got us all in different places like for me right now there are a lot of things that he doesn't want me doing or or reading or watching but that's not the same for everybody mm-hmm. and i wouldn't try to push where he has me onto somebody else uh and that's just the nature of of the the, the call or the assignments that he gives us at certain times there's going to be uh different constraints put on us and, and we have to be willing to accept those and 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 rejoice to say that oh, wow he loves me so much he's going to constrain these things away from me and peel things off of me so that I can walk in righteousness so that I can be holy. Yes, and, and so it's it's a pure a pure modeling of righteousness means we allow the discipline of the Lord to be individual. However, that is not to say that when we are walking in righteousness and we have those deposits of holiness within us, that there is not a provocation because there will be. There will be a provocation that enters into the room just because we've been with a lamb, just because we've been before holiness himself. It will provoke everything in the room. We've talked about this a little bit before, that that it should do something just because we've been with him, that when we walk in, everything in the room should begin to translate into a holy atmosphere. It requires transformation. And what God has told us is that you can expect that there will either be transformation or transition. And Oh, that's painful to even like consider like, oh my gosh, what is that going to look like? But, but we, we need to, we need to be open-handed with things because there is, there is an element that comes with the, the righteous call on our lives to get on board, like walk that narrow path. And, and, and for, for those who aren't willing to do that, although the discipline will look different for each there is a call to holiness in this hour that we need to take very seriously. So it, it, I just wanted to be clear on that, that disciplines one to another are going to look different. However, the call to holiness is the same. Yes. So hopefully that makes sense. Did I explain that well? <laughs> you did great. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Verse 20, but in a great house, There are not only gold and silver vessels, but also wooden and earthen. And some are unto honor and some unto dishonor. I want to, I want to pause here also, because I think it's really important that we understand what, what Paul is explaining here. What's the great house? It's the house of the Lord, right? Like we, we are called to have zeal for his house because Jesus did, right? 
bottom line, he is known to have zeal for his father's house. Therefore, it is our job to also have zeal for his house. So this great house, but in a great house in the church, there are not only gold and silver vessels, but also wooden and earthen. And some are unto honor and some unto dishonor. And, and you can go into any church, no matter its size, and find both. You can find it. You actually can find it all. You can find the gold and silver and you can find the wooden and earthen and you can find the honor and you can find the dishonor. And, and I, I think that because we have become such an entitled society that we believe that everything that enters into our mind should be spoken, that it, it should, it should be released, that my opinion matters and, and what I'm thinking needs to be said. And you need to know everything that's going on in my mind, even unto dishonor. And I think that we need to be careful in this because this is not zeal for the Lord's house. This, that is zeal for your opinion. And, and the two are not the same. And, and so we need to be really careful with, with what it is that, that we're doing. We have got to learn to honor one another. Do I completely understand the disciplines that are on your life right now? No. I don't because I'm not under the same disciplines. However, I can see what it is that God is doing in your life, that there is a transformation taking place, that he's He's bringing you up higher, that there's a higher call to holiness on your life and the path is becoming more and more narrow for you. And I can respect that even though I don't completely understand the disciplines that he has you under. That's honor. That's going like, I'm choosing to see, because, because, okay, let me, let me, I want to paint this a little bit differently. So if Vince walks into the room, I can feel the disciplines on his life. That does not mean I get under that yoke. That yoke is made for him. That's a discipline that is, is for him, that God has curated for him. But I can feel the effects of the discipline on his life. I'm provoked. There's a provocation in the room just because Vince is there. We have to allow honor to do its job. That is, it's a call. That provocation is a call to come up higher, not to disrespect and dishonor what it is that he's carrying. Is that helpful? Is that a helpful yeah. explanation? I, I think I that, think so. that, 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 that to, to be able to, to live in this great house that he's talking about, we need to understand that we actually are called to be gold and silver vessels tried by fire, right? Because those wooden and earthen vessels are not tried by fire. They can't survive in fire, right? They, what happens to, to wooden vessels? Right? They, they burn up completely, gone. And so we, we need to understand that when he's talking about gold and silver vessels, that's what we are to become is gold and silver vessels that, that even though the wooden and earthen vessels exist, that's not the high call. The high call is the gold and the silver so that we walk in honor. And this is something, hi, Vicki. This is something that, um, that we've talked a little bit about also is that even though we have come to the end of the paved road, so to speak, and, and what's ahead is kind of uncharted territory, we have got to honor those who have held the door open. I think I said that to you yesterday. You know, though the, the remnant that has gone before us, they have held the door open to the supernatural, to experiencing God in a, a completely different manner than we would all by ourselves, right? Like they've held the door. And, and so we're not having to restart because we're going to take the time to honor that paved road that they've set. And, and so that's, that's anyway, jump in. What do you have to say about that? That, that, that provocation you're talking about, it, it can, it can provoke us uh, the problem is, is sometimes we, we take that provocation and we turn it into a fence and that's what leads to that dishonor. Yeah. And, and, and rather than, than saying, okay, I'm offended here. Why God am I offended? Holy spirit, you know, illuminates something in me here that explains offense and what's going on. So I can choose honor over dishonor. 
and, and, and be that gold or, and silver vessel that in that fire of the offense that you're feeling, you are fine and not burned up and consumed. I think that's a big thing that we allow to, to trip us up is offense. Right. Offenses, offense can be turned for good. It can be turned for uh, uh, refining and, and, and growth in us and, and, and being able to honor what somebody else is, is walking in. Right. Right. So let's, let's just read the next verse. If therefore anyone cleanses himself from these, he will be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, useful to the master mm-hmm. and prepared unto every good work. I'm going to read it again because this is like, this is the gold nugget in the whole chapter. I love it. If therefore anyone cleanses himself from these, he will be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, useful to the master and prepared unto every good work. I want to read this version too. Okay. It says, therefore, so we come off of that, that last verse. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready Whew. for every good work. I love that. Is the Lord Jesus Christ the master of our house? Yeah. My goodness. I, I think that's something we have to remember is that we are not talking about a, a, an external thing like uh, um, the, the Jews had back in the Old Testament. They had the tabernacle or uh, um, the temple that they would go to. This now is is we are that house. We, we have we have to be set apart as holy. We, we have been chosen as those to house the spirit of God and, and collectively in oneness, we are the body of Christ. And, and so we have to take into account that we are set apart. So we are set apart as holy already. So why are we not trying to walk in holiness? Right. Yeah, that's so good. Um, hi, Chris. Chris is a later tater, um, but we talked about you. Oh yeah, we have to we have to rewind. <laughs> yeah, and, and when you don't show up on time, we make plans without you <laughs> and involve you in them. <laughs> we do, and and you're just simply beholden to it. So get back to us on that. <laughs> it's just it's all just so much fun to make plans. <laughs> oh mm-hmm. gosh, we assume permission. It's fine. Um, so I, I want to I want to tell you about a, an encounter that I had this week um, concerning this. And um, and I just want to read it one more time. If therefore anyone cleanses himself from these, he will be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, useful to the master and prepared unto every good work. Yes, 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 yes. Um, hi, it's here. Um, anyway. So I want to tell you about a, an encounter that I had and and it was like it was God is intense right now and um and he just simply said to me because I I feel like in this season the only word that I have to describe it is tender like I just feel so tender I could I could enter into prayer right now and just make a mess of, of my makeup. It's fine, but it's just, it's just where I'm at right now. And, um, like have a hard time even uttering the name of Jesus without sobbing. But, um, so I, I, I'm, I'm before him and he simply says to me, Angie, I am tenderizing you to the point where the only thing that will afflict you is me. Oh, Jesus. One, he cares about me to that degree. That that he wants the only affliction that I experience to be at his hand. And I know, I know his nature. I know that that will only bring about a purity into my life, being afflicted by the Lord or taking on the afflictions of Jesus Christ. 
But right now, and I think this is true of all of us, if we're honest, we're afflicted by everything. We allow everything to derail us. We we get emotional about so many things. And I am ultimately guilty of this. My feelings get hurt. And, and so when he's saying like, I am tenderizing you to the point where the only affliction that affects you is my hand. I am just, I'm undone. I'm undone by that because right now I feel so uber tender that I feel like I could just break in front of anyone at any moment. And I don't enjoy feeling fragile. I, I don't. It's not my favorite thing. I, I, I think that in our culture that we've, we've kind of seen the, the emotion of tears and crying and that kind of thing as weakness. And I'll be honest with you. Yeah. Oh, Nicole, you and I. Um, but I, I think even as a, a woman in ministry, I've somewhat taught myself that I've got to put on this, like this brave, somewhat hardened exterior, because if, if I just go around crying all the time, then it'll be seen as weak. And so this is a narrative that, that I've believed. And, and ultimately what's transpiring here is verse 21. Those of you that are just jumping in second Timothy um, chapter two, and we're in verse 21, if therefore anyone cleanses himself so that that tenderizing is a, a cleansing because it is, there is a unrighteousness that exists in me that wants to be offended at the hand of others, right? That's unrighteousness. There is an unholiness that exists in me that wants to have the offense at the hand of others. And that's not holy. That's not pure. For us to be a pure and spotless bride, we've got to get to the point where he tenderizes us to the point where the only affliction we experience is at his hand. Thoughts. The narratives that we allow to influence our actions are so very powerful because we don't allow God to author those narratives. We just allow uninhibited imagination to run wild and just take us anywhere. Yeah. And 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 while that 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 experience isn't only a narrative that you're having, it is something that is actually like a label. A, a scarlet letter label placed on on women in ministry that um, it, it's it's hard to to get away from that it, it's hard yeah. to not let that thing spiral out of control and you know we have to we have to do a better job of of seeing all the facets of god and everything that he wants to to offer to us as valuable and and emotion is one of those things. Mm-hmm. I mean, I spent 20 years in the army and, and as someone who had a combat arms MOS, there was uh, um, an expectation that emotion was, you had one, one that was offered, that's anger. That's it. You don't get any others, wow. You're not allowed any others. And so um, it, it, it's, it, it just, it's pushed in a different way um, uh, on men, and it's not seen as as a label. It is weakness. It is looked at as weakness, but it's not the same label that's applied to women. And it's it's very um, irritating that we are suppressing something that God has given us. Yeah. And and it is dishonor. It, it doesn't allow us to be useful to the master of the house. Mm. We, it, it sets us up to be the master of the house and that is that's a dangerous place to want to sit uh it, it comes with a, a responsibility that we are not capable of handling and um it, and it's not a role that we should seek to to have yeah yeah and and, and the thing is is like that the state of the church 
is not reflecting the image of Christ right now. And so I feel as if there is there is a gift of travail right now for the church that and we don't want it, you know? Like I feel us like no thank you. Thank you but no thanks. Kind of thing, and we're being super formal about it, but it's like I don't know that it's an option at this point. I think that travail is is what we need to enter into because we desperately need the hand of God that enters into a scenario and changes a nation in a single day. It's just where we're at. We need our guts sweet. You know, in this this great house, we need a a deep cleaning, and and because you can feel his desperation, like God is wanting to birth something of of profound beauty, and it can't happen when there's so much infighting going on over the provocation of holiness. Can you believe that? Can you believe that that's where we're at? It really is. This is where we're at, that that there is infighting happening over the provocation of holiness. We are offended because of holiness and defending our old wineskins. Yeah, that's that's true. And, and the question that Chris is asking here, what image is the church reflecting now? I, I don't. I don't even want to answer that question because I can't answer it as Jesus. And if I, if I can't give that answer, I don't want to give an answer at all. Right. It's just too painful. Yeah, for sure. Let's keep reading. Verse 22, but flee youthful lusts and pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace, with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. But foolish questionings and those arising from an untrained mind refuse, knowing that they beget contentions. But a slave of the Lord ought not to contend, but be gentle toward all, apt to teach Bearing with wrong. Way easier said than done, I'm going to confess. In meekness, correcting those who oppose, if perhaps God may give them repentance unto the full knowledge of the truth. And I don't want us to miss this. this, There's like a spiritual law in here that in meekness, we bring correction, which will bring people unto repentance because we got to remember that it's the kindness of God that leads people to repentance and 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 we have to model his kindness in these situations again easier said but I'm willing to be willing tenderize me and they may return to soberness out of the snare of the devil having been caught alive by him unto his will I'm going to read that again And they may return to soberness out of the snare of the devil, having been caught alive by him unto his will. I think that this is where we need to have this this imagery in our mind of what's going on when we're offended by holiness. When we are offended by holiness, we allow ourselves to become a prisoner of war. Again, I, I, right now in this season, I want to I want us to think of things as camps. There's the enemy's camp, and then there's God's camp, right? Whose camp are you residing in right now? And where are you positioned to the tent of meetings? Where are you in proximity to the presence of God? Are you content to to be the the last tent on a row? And if so, are you letting that stop you from being at the entryway to the tent of meetings like Joshua? 
You want to know why the favor of God was on Joshua? Because he was hungry. He hungered and thirsted for righteousness. And look how God used him. He sat himself down in a proximity to God that revealed his hunger and his thirst for righteousness. He wanted to be where the presence was. Is that you? Or have you allowed yourself to be taken alive by the snares of the enemy? These are the real questions we need to be asking ourselves because these things are going on in the church. We're not talking about a context outside the church. We aren't talking about, you know, God's camp, the enemy's camp, and then the nations that surround. It's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the mess in the church. And the quicker that we we agree with that, the quicker we're going to get on the same page as God. I don't, want us, I don't want us to miss oneness in this. Uh, in verse 22, it says, so flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord for the pure heart. We flee from those things. And I have to infer that youthful passions do not pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. And so if you're pursuing something else, these are these youthful passions where you are uh, not uh, uh, introduced to those things. You don't have excuse once you're introduced to, to righteousness, faith, love, and peace. These are things you should be pursuing. Now, here's the thing, though. Do so in oneness along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Don't just try to do it on your own. Come into community. Come into oneness. Be with one another. Allow each other to be strengthened. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, when we come into oneness, a lot of times we are, are rallying around and circling the wagons around uh, us, a person and their point of view or some uh, uh, doctrine that really doesn't have anything to do with lifting Jesus high and, yeah. and, and pointing all eyes to him. Uh, it's around silliness, around quarrels, around those things that, that were already being talked about. And you become those earthen vessels. Uh, this is is with those in oneness who are pursuing righteousness, faith, love, and peace. And I don't want us to miss that here. That's good. Because we are going to be able to hold one another accountable. We are going to be able to see each other when something is going wrong. Uh, you, you talked about being able to feel uh, the discipline on somebody when they walk into the room. You're able to know that person well when you are in oneness and you'll know if something's wrong. And and if there is a snare that is starting to to bite at their ankles, we'll be able to tell and, and see those things and feel them and say, what's going on? Yeah. Is is there is there a, a lack of pursuit Towards righteousness, faith, love, and peace. Yeah. And, and and so I don't want us to miss oneness, that we are doing these things. We are in pursuit along with one another uh, who are calling on the Lord with a pure heart. Yeah. That's good. And I think that we we need to to recognize that our quality of life as the bride hinges on our ability to bring things into the light. Mm -hmm. We have to be willing to bring things into the light. Confession needs to become a normal everyday lifestyle. And it's so simple. You guys, if we would stop personalizing all of the fiery darts, it wouldn't feel as if it was ourselves being exposed or our dirty laundry hung out to dry. You know, if we wouldn't personalize it, these things in us that are less than start as a singular thought. And if, if at the first, let's just take offense because that's what we're talking about so much here. Let's just say that that one of you does something or or perhaps you you put something in the comments and I'm like, ugh, why did they say that? Instead of we get an angry emoji. 
I love all the emojis, though. You know I do. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> My goal is to have the full top covered <laughs> with all of the emoji options. Because there should be things that you're responding in anger to. Can we just use all of the emotions that God gave yes. us? Like, let's yes. stop being so offended by silly things. But anyway, let's just say, like, let's just say this. You put out there, I absolutely hate what you're wearing today. And I know that's silly. Because I look great today. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but if I if I can so quickly... <clears throat> Grab hold of that thing without personalizing it. Like, oh my gosh, I really don't look good today kind of thing. Like, but if I can, yes, Chris, if I can grab hold of that thing and bring it into the light, which means I bring it into the community, right? I bring it into, into the arena of oneness. And, and I just simply confess, oh man, when, when you said that it did this, it did this thing in me. And, and I began to, to take that on. And I don't want to, because I'm in the tenderizing of the Lord and the only affliction I'm allowed to have is at his hand. Right. Because that's my truth right now. And, and that thing diminishes immediately, immediately. It's just gone. And, and I know that that was a very surface level example. But if we take the, the bigger things and, and all, all it's going to take you guys is a couple of times of, of our doing this, practicing this. And, and the moment that we start seeing that thing shrink almost on demand, the light, the light does things to darkness, right? I'm melting. It just reminds me of um, Wizard of Oz. <laughs> uh, it has to melt it has to go it has to dissipate it has to has to has to and um and so i think that we just need to get brave in this area and do it a couple of times until it becomes mm -hmm. a habit until it becomes the expectation of the whole that we would confess one to another and not make a big deal can we stop making a big deal about the snares of the enemy Mm -hmm. Let's stop making a big deal about it. Let's just confess them and and declare them what they are. They are less than. They are unrighteous, and they do not belong in vessels yeah. of gold and silver. Yeah, that's that's great. Uh, one of the things uh, Nicole said. I'm I'm only learning about how valuable it is to have community. Well, this is one of those valuable things here. If we stop making much about the snares, which are these surface level things that are going to to try to to trap us. Because once you can get trapped by these little surface level things, it just starts to, to unravel everything. Mm -hmm. But if we stop making much of them, this is going to be the point where uh, in, in community, we can go deep. We can start to see what God has for us uh, uh, in that deep well and, and, and really start to connect. And, and so shining the light on these things, that is, that is one valuable point of community that we can't miss. It just, it, it takes all that service level stuff, all those little snares. And it just kind of like, they just disappear. They're just gone. Yeah. Just out of nowhere. They're, they're gone. And now we can come together and we can start to, to have conversations about things that are going to take us uh, deeper into connection and deeper into oneness and not just talking about oneness here, oneness with the entire body, with, the, the head of the body. That is where we need to be connecting. If, if we are the body, we contain the heart and we need to have connection to the head. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I, I want to respond to, to a tear um, talking about, you know, if, if you are earthen or wooden, can you be transformed into silver or gold? And I think the answer is in verse 20, you know, uh, or 21, if therefore anyone cleanses himself from these, he will be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, useful to the master, prepared unto every good work. So absolutely. I mean, redemption, our, our God is in the dealings of redemption. We just have to be those who are willing to work out our salvation with what? Fear and trembling. Fear and, and, and trembling. And where that uh, 
uh, name tag of ambassador. Yes. Of that. Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, we need to remind ourselves on a regular, before we go out the door, probably before you get out of your bed, I am an ambassador of Christ. (laughs) I carry his, I lead with his spirit, right? That's who we are. I need to do that when I get behind the wheel of the car. Oh my gosh. Road rage. <laughs> the snares are only kindling anyway. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I love that. Like God burn all that stuff as we get closer to him. Burn oh, it yeah. all. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. yeah. And I think that that's part of governing the fire is mm-hmm. knowing what to toss in it. Like what needs to go? We need all of those purities to just rise to the top and be done with them. Should well, we- you know, it's the same as, as taking every thought captive. And and making it submit to Christ. It's the same thing here. We can, we don't even have to decide what needs to go in the fire. Just throw it all in. What's going to be refined will be refined. What needs to be burned and ashes blown away will be burned, blown away. Yes. Agreed. All right. Chapter three, verse one. But know this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. Someone say, we are in the last days. <laughs> For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boasters, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, implicable, slanderers, without self-control, savage, not lovers of good, traitors, reckless, blinded with pride, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having an outward form of godliness, though denying its power, from these also turn away. This is a heck of a list. And I'm going to remind you again that Paul is not writing Timothy to Timothy about the world. He's not writing to him about what he's going to encounter when he takes on the world. He's writing to Timothy because he believes that the Lord's going to return in Timothy's day. (laughs) He's writing to him about the last days and what he will experience in the great house, in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a list of what is going on inside the church. If that's not sobering for you, I don't know what is. And we've gotten here because we took our eyes off of the lamp. We made it about showmanship. We made it about followers. We made it about butts and seats. And how we did this is beyond me because I think that the warning in in the life of David uh, seems pretty stern to me. <laughs> like he takes a census and God's dealings with him on this are fierce, fierce. And somehow we have modeled the folly of David rather than the lesson learned on the backside of it, that I will not offer my king something that costs me nothing. That was his response to the detriment that he brought on the people for taking a count. I will not offer my king something that costs me nothing. Yet, we're counting likes. Mm -hmm. We are counting congregants, making much of how big our church is. Are you a mega church? No, we're an itty bitty little church on the corner of a teeny tiny town. God's eye is on us because he's drawn our gaze upward. And I sincerely do not care if we dwindle to two. I will make much of Jesus Christ. 
He has gifted us a building, gifted us a building to make much of him. To steward his fire, to govern his fire well. Numbers don't matter. Eyes locked with Jesus. It's all that matters. Verse six. After, oh, go ahead. Um, after reading over that list, I, I just want to make sure that we know that this is an expectation. We can expect these things to be taking place. And we, we need to be real about that. Mm-hmm. One thing I want to remember, though, is I want all of us to remember is what Jesus said in, in John 15. He said, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you. The servant is not greater than its master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. And and, and he goes on down here. But but to the point of, of what is going on, who is Jesus being persecuted by? He uses the, the term the world, but who was persecuting him? It was the religious elite. It was uh, the Pharisees and, and the Sadducees and, and those people who who held uh, weight within the community to give direction, to point the people where they wanted them. Those were the ones. So the church was the one at that time. What could be called the church was the ones who were persecuting Jesus. Yeah. And And, and so... We are going to see these things. We can't expect them. And, and but but be encouraged to the fact that if these things are directed at you, they were first directed at Jesus. Yeah. And and we can be uh encouraged for the fact and, and choose to to rejoice in these things because that that is that just means and and you can only infer, infer that. If that's happening to me, I must be on the right path. I must be being transformed to look more and more like Jesus. My character comes out more and more like him because I'm seeing these things directed at me. And and so you can choose to rejoice in those things or you can choose to let it drag you down, which, again, takes you off in a different direction. And so if we expect these things and we can be reminded of the fact that Jesus has already been persecuted in this manner, and, and he tells us that these things are going to happen to us because he's called us out. He set us apart as holy. Yeah, that's, that's already something that Paul has said earlier. So this is an expectation for us. But rejoice in it. You're on the narrow path that leads to life. Yeah. Capital L, life. Yeah. And, and, and the reward on the narrow path is incomparable. Mm -hmm. And what's, what's wild to me is just when you think that you've hit that narrow road, he leads you to an even tighter space (laughs) where it's like, you feel so squeezed, just so squeezed. And that's something that God said to us um, in early summer, maybe late spring, is that um, because we we have been really affected by what I, I believe would be like a, a python spirit in in our area and squeezing the life out of people and just really restricted. And, and God just simply compared himself to that thing and said, you haven't felt the squeeze until you have felt mine. And, and I thought, my goodness, because I already feel like, you know, we're being like squeezed by the enemy and um and he's going that's nothing compared to the squeeze of my presence and at which I welcome and I I'm very aware of the the discomfort that that level of presence will bring because I'm not comfortable right now I'm not comfortable but my call isn't to comfort my call is to put holiness on display 
And that's not to make much of Angie. It's to draw all eyes to Jesus because we've already declared that the only way that men see Jesus is through holiness put on display from the children of God. It's just the truth. That's in Hebrews 12, just in case you're wondering. It's just the truth. It's the nature of the way that God is working in us, through us, for the good of the kingdom. Yes, that's so true, Chris. And I, I love I love what Nicole said. God had, has your church in the hollow of his hand. You're serving his children meet. Yes, Jesus, let that be true. Let that be true. We want to serve up meat. Listen, God has God has us so hedged in right now that um we we are in a season of We've been in ruins. Like we were just, we know that God had been deconstructing things in our lives and, and really blatant about things that he's not satisfied with. And so we'd been in a place of ruins and identifying the ruins and, and recognizing like, ah, we have, I mean, ultimately we had turned the altar into a, an adulterous platform and, and, and married to all kinds of idols. And, um, and so we really needed to do some cleaning. And, and when I say we, I am thinking in, in global terms that this is what the church has done. The bride of Christ has done with the altar of the Lord. <clears throat> and so ultimately God has wrecked everything and, and is pulling, pulling out Everything that is familiar and comfortable and, um, you know, even even bringing conviction of the worship of worship. And um, and so even worship, you know, is like on the altar getting a facelift. <laughs> and, and and it's 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 been it's been painful because we love things that are familiar. But that is also how we end up in folly is because we are drawn to the familiar. And unfortunately there are familiar spirits that exist. And so we get locked into those and held captive. We are become those prisoners of war and, and taken into the enemy enemy's camp and we're held there and, and we've been captive there before so long before we realize it. And, and he's just wanting the bride free. He's just wanting the bride walking in freedom. And so we are transitioning right now into a, a building season where he's allowing a foundation to be laid. And, um, and, and the reason why he's got us so hedged in right now is because he wants it pure. Guys, he's serious about his foundation. The foundation of his throne is made out of what two ingredients? Justice and righteousness. Justice and righteousness. One without the other gets us where we are. Mm -hmm. We've seen what a, what a justice movement does. For those of you who have your eye on America, you've seen what a justice movement alone, justice without righteousness, makes a mess. We need the firm foundation for his throne that is made of righteousness and justice. And what is he enthroned himself on? The praises of his people. And so he's requiring a, a purity to go into this foundation, which means there is no nonsense right now. Like he has got us on this straight and narrow road. Are we doing it perfectly? No, I would never be so arrogant. No, it is not without personal flaws, but his grace and his mercy can overcome that. But he is serious about the foundation right now. And if you want to be a part of laying the foundation, you have got to ask him, what discipline do you have for me to walk the straight and narrow? Guys, we need the fire of God. We need his fire. 
we need to find our way to the altar and lay ourselves down. We need the fire of God. I want, I want to see him lifted high. I desperately want to see Jesus lifted high. I want to see the bride walking in purity, pure and spotless. God told me last week, he's like, you know, that's not an invitation. It's a decree. The king sent out a decree that the bride would be pure and spotless. Last I knew, kings get what they want. Let's partner with that. Final thoughts. I know we've gone way when over. When we're, we're talking about this building season that we're in right now and the foundation that's being laid, he is going to have uh, disciplines for everybody that are, are different. They're not all going to be the same, but the, again, going back to what we talked about early in the broadcast is the one ingredient that will be the same is holiness. And we have to, have to, have to grab hold of that. And then, and then grab hold of every other discipline. And, and as that, that foundation begins to, to harden and is in place and ready for structures to be built on top of that, holiness will remain. The other disciplines, they may change. They may not. I can't say for sure because God's going to have us in different places mm-hmm. in these things. But just know that that is that one ingredient that we all share in oneness that we need to be grabbing hold of and taking very, very seriously and, and regarding rightly is holiness and walking in that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, a, a year ago, God started talking to us about becoming a house of myrrh, that that's what he has assigned us, that we would be a house of myrrh. And I thought, What? <laughs> You know, just like so taken aback by that because who who wants to be known as the house of death, right? <laughs> Turns out I do. And um, yeah. because he trusts us, he trusts us to steward well what it means to be a living sacrifice, to steward well his altar. He called us to govern his fire and he provides the fire who provides the sacrifice. That's us. That's us. And so I know that we are a teeny tiny church in the middle of Kansas, in the heart of our nation. That he intends to make a global impact with. This foundation that he has us laying right now. You will feel it across the nations. This I know. And it's only because he has chosen to deposit his holiness here. And God said, he said, calls us a house of myrrh. And he said, you will have people lined up just to come and die. It's an honor. It's a privilege to be trusted with his fire. Finish reading 2 Timothy on your own. Maybe start from the beginning and work your way through because it's sobering and it's beautiful. And it's a high call. And I just feel right now to release the oil of myrrh over us. Holy Spirit, I just thank you for the drawing to lose our life so we can finally live. Clear the path to the altar, Lord. Clear the path. draws in deeper and deeper 
and teach us to come running to you, just to behold your beauty. Let us be those who ache for your presence. Ache. Purify us, Jesus. Purify us with your gaze. Purify us, sanctify us, and send us back home that all men might see you. And we confess right now that you are the desire of the nations. And we thank you for it. We thank you for the privilege to put you on display. Make us justice-minded. Make us righteousness-minded. That we would be a pure foundation for you to enthrone yourself upon. Jesus, we love you. We love you. All of our affection is yours. It's all yours. Amen. All right. Love you guys so, so much. Like, seriously, so, so much. Like, we carry you with us. We love you. We'll talk soon.